the Mike Tomlin Game Day Podcast with Steelers Digest Editor Bob Labriola. Okay, Coach, uh, we often hear about the importance of gap integrity when it comes to defending the run. Uh, is there anything similar for rushing the passer where players are expected to be in certain areas or occupy certain lanes on their way to the quarterback? No question. And the less rushes you have, the more significant it is. When you're blitzing and you're rushing five guys, let's say, uh, is less critical in terms of your awareness in your rush lanes than, than normal when you're rushing four. And it gets doubly challenging uh, when you're in drop eight scenarios and you're rushing three and you got to try to rush, contain, and constrict the quarterback with three men. So it's always a critical discussion. The number of rushers is a critical element of that discussion. Is it safer not to do loops and games and stuff like that when you're dealing with a quarterback like that? No, actually, uh, you know, the games and loops and things of that nature can serve as a trap. You pre- present what perceives to be an opening, and then the looper is the guy that comes around and closes the door. So, obviously, there's some risk with it because you got to present an initial opening, but the whole premise is that that initial opening gets closed by the looper and you set a trap and, and close it. Uh, against a mobile quarterback or even a quarterback who's looking to flat-out run the ball, uh, is it ever better for a rusher to just stop and stay in his lane uh, as opposed to trying to continue to the quarterback and get pushed and create a lane? Um, it, it's better to stay in your lane, uh, particularly if it means being behind the mobile quarterback. Uh, a guy behind a mobile quarterback, you just reduce your number of rushers by one. So a five-man rush becomes a four-man rush when one, when one guy is behind him. Four-man rush becomes a three-man rush, et cetera. And so there's bigger escape lanes downhill. And you don't want downhill escape lanes for guys, particularly those that are extremely mobile like the one we faced this week. Do you tell the guys if you're going to go past, stop? Well, you just proceed with caution because we've seen some really spectacular plays this year with guys rushing behind the quarterback, strip fumbles and things of that nature. So uh, you do it, but you understand it's calculated risk-taking. There's times that you do it, there's times that you don't. And you understand when you do, uh, it's some risk involved. But there's always risk involved with, with pursuit of splash plays. The sack fumble play is an enormous play in the game. Uh, there's risk going behind a mobile quarterback in an effort to create that. How would you evaluate what you've been getting recently from Devin Bush? It's been really solid. Um, you know, we've been thoughtful about what we've asked him to do in an effort to preserve him over the course of a 16-plus game season. We realize he's a rookie. Uh, we've removed him from some sub packages and things of that nature, um, trying to keep his snap count um, in a in a reasonable place so he doesn't wear down as a young guy. And I think he's really been responding to that. He's been just as productive as he was in the earlier portions of the season, but on a less number of snaps. And so uh, it's a good sign of what we're getting from him, and uh, it's going to allow him to maintain productivity and strength as we get into the big month of December. Uh, I don't actually keep track of the snaps, but it seems Devlin Hodges has been under center a fair amount of time, at least as recently as last week. Uh, did he have any experience with playing under center, or is that something he had to learn when he came here? You know, I don't know about high school, but very little, if any, in college. Um, but that's not unusual these, these days. You can say the same thing about Mason Rudolph or Paxton Lynch. It's just part of the evolution of today's game. Uh, it's not unusual to get a quarterback with, with very little experience in that area where – you know, 13 years ago when I got this job, it probably was. What's he have to learn? What, what A guy in that situation, okay, put him under center, what's he have to learn? 
just the mechanics and, and some of the minutiae associated with certain plays, plays where the center has to pull, plays where the center has to move laterally, if you will. If a guy's a good athlete, it's not a big discussion, but there is some comfort that you gain associated with muscle memory. What's uh, In what situations is it more advantageous to have your quarterback under center or as, oppo- as opposed to in the shotgun? You could just take one specific instance like use of cadence. If you want to utilize cadence as a weapon, if you want to quick count somebody, if you want to hard count someone, uh, the very best place to execute that is under center. Um, and particularly when you're going into an environment like we're going in and, and, and we're trying to figure out this weekend whether or not we can use cadence. And if we can, then it can be a weapon. And so, you know, all of that's done best on the center. Run versus pass, is there any uh, advantage one way or the other in terms of where you put the quarterback? Certainly, um, but it's minimal in today's game. You gain more of an advantage in the run game with the quarterback up under. You gain a little bit more of a pass. gain a little bit more of an advantage from a passive standpoint and gun just from perspective. Uh, but in today's game, you're thoughtful about those decisions uh, and you work to minimize the differences. Uh, you often refer to situations as teachable moments. Uh, in those instances, would you describe the teaching as more of an offering of a carrot or using a stick? You know, I, I, I thoughtfully uh, use both, to be quite honest with you. And I guess the key is thoughtfully. And and the key is to know what's appropriate for the moment, what's appropriate for the player or players, uh, and to give them what they what they need, not necessarily what they want. And that's kind of always a guiding thought for me in terms of the decisions of, of how to deal with those moments and how to address them, uh, the speed in which you address them, the tone in which you address them. Um, there's appropriate things and, and, and there's variables involved, and you got to thoughtfully push the right buttons. Certainly without getting into any names, um, what kind of uh, situations require one or the other? The younger the player, uh, the less, you know, the less carriage you use. Because if they're smart, if they're the type of people that learn quickly, um, then they do. And so you eliminate further discussion down the line in those areas uh, if, you, if you attack it initially. And so that's a general approach. Uh, in situations like that, would you welcome contributions from other players or would you prefer coaches coach? I, I, I welcome it because I realize it's a natural thing. It's like breathing. Uh, leaders lead, uh, they're going to support, and particularly the, the veteran players that you've been around for a, a number of years are the ones that you've cultivated, the ones that you've drafted. Uh, they've grown up in your culture. They, they're, they're not going to say anything that's not supportive of what it is that you're saying. So it's in a reinforcement thing. So um, I don't care where good ideas come from. I don't care where leadership comes from. Uh, their strength in numbers, if you will, particularly when there's an understanding where you don't have to call a meeting to be on one accord. Uh, and we have that here with guys like Cam Hayward, guys like Marquise Pouncey, guys that we've drafted and cultivated here. It doesn't require a meeting. Uh, it just happens, and that's a beautiful thing. Uh, you brought up uh, Marquise Pouncey and Cam Hayward. We've talked about Marquise Pouncey and the, the kind of a leader he is. Uh, talk a little bit about Cam and the kind of leader he is. You know, neither one of them are big carrot guys, but Cam's probably more of a carrot guy than Marquise. <laughs> he's got a he's got a softer heart for the young, inexperienced player. Uh, he's a nurturer by nature. Um, now you can put him in a game setting; he's a ridiculous competitor, and that nurture uh, leaves him. 
Uh, but in a practice-like setting around the building on a day-to-day basis, he's more of a nurturer probably than Marquise. Tell me something about uh, Cam Hayward that uh, might surprise a lot of people. You know, he's just a thoughtful guy. Um, you know, he has this appearance. He's obviously an enormous man and got a beard and, and things of that nature and loud, very physical guy. He's the type of guy, if he's talking to you, he's putting his hands on you. He's playful. Uh, he's got to realize how big he is sometimes. Um, but he's thoughtful. He's thoughtful about people. He's kind of a servant leader, um, and, and that's a good thing. Uh, what's Victory Monday, and why is it a part of the weekly schedule after a win sometimes? Over the second half of the year, it allows the player, it gives them some autonomy. Um, it gives them reward for doing the job. But more than anything, it gives them, them some autonomy to, to do what it is that they need. Uh, some guys need rehabilitation over the second half of the year on a Monday. Some guys just simply need rest. Um, having a day off really gives them the autonomy to, to do what it is they need in preparation for the week's work that, that lies ahead, and that's how we sell it. Um, guys come in just like they normally do on Monday, but it allows them to come in at their convenience. And so a guy can sleep in and come in in the afternoon if he so chooses, et cetera. Um, it's a carrot for them, but it's also a carrot for the coaches. Um, it provides us additional game planning time for the next opponent, uh, which we need. It provides us an opportunity to have a more thorough uh, preparation process. Over the second half of the year, there's more tape available to us to look at for opponents. So it's helpful to us as well to have time to look at that additional tape. Uh, you've had some experiences with Larry Fitzgerald, and there was that famous narrow escape in Super Bowl 43. Uh, when I just brought his name up, what comes to your mind? Class. Um, he's a guy that's a representative of all of us. Uh, by us, I mean those of us that are in this football business. He does everything the right way on and off the field. Uh, he's an ambassador of the game. I'm just so impressed when I'm in his presence. I've always respected his game. Uh, but just when I'm in his presence, when I hear how he represents uh, all of us as a football man, uh, I just lift him up. I got nothing but respect for that guy. Um, he's worthy of the gold jacket uh, and, and the consideration that he'll, obviously he'll get uh, when his career is done. Uh, how, how do the Cardinals utilize David Johnson? You know, in the backfield, outside the backfield, um, He's a big-time, versatile guy. He's one of these millennial backs, man. He's good in all circumstances. You know, years ago when I first broke into the league, guys like Marshall Falk were the exception to the rule. We're talking about a generation of guys now that grew up idolizing Marshall Falk and has his poster on their wall when they were kids, and he's one of those guys. He can kill you in the, in the backfield. He can kill you outside the backfield. He just doesn't run hitches. He, he runs a full route tree outside the backfield as a route runner. Um, and he just represents that generation of backs, uh, much like the guy we had here in Le'Veon Bell and some, some others, Kamara. Um, it's a lot of those type of guys that you have to be concerned about in a lot of ways in today's game.